0: Hello there, I'm Rob Manafield and welcome to this new edition of F1 Everything Else, the side series of the podcast where I talk about Formula One in a much more loose way compared to the scripted numbered episodes of the podcast. Thank you to everyone who's listened to episode 11, Damon Hill, came out a little while ago. Uh, I've had some really nice uh, feedback about that one and people seem to really enjoy it, which is amazing. Thank you to everyone who's listened to it and shared it with their friends or or whatever, or if you follow the uh, the podcast on social media since that's come out, thank you and welcome. Hope you stick around. Now, today is a bit of a mixed episode of F1 Everything Else. So, at the time of recording, it is 10 to 8 in the evening, Thursday the 14th of March 2019. Which means in around 5 to 6 hours time, first practice will begin for the 2019 Australian Grand Prix. So, Formula 1 is back and I figured whilst I haven't done one before that I might as well do a 2019 season preview episode well what I'm going to do instead of just going through here's this team and their drivers what do I think I'm going to rank what I think will be the top 20 in the drivers championship standings come the end of the season so I'll go from 20th to first, and I'll give a few thoughts about each uh, driver as I go along, give, you know, what I think they'll do, if there's any particular uh, predictions I have for any of them. And then what I'll do is give uh, five solid predictions about what I think might happen in the 2018 season. Won't go too deep into them, but just say these five things I think definitely will happen. Now, because I say this episode is mixed, and the reason because it's because As of today, Formula One lost Charlie Whiting. Charlie Whiting tragically passed away today, aged just 66. And I want to pay tribute to him. He's one of the most uh, important personalities in the history of the sport, really. And we'll get to that when I reach that aspect and that part of of the episode. But just, yeah, if you haven't heard the news, yeah, Charlie Whiting passed away today, 14th March 2019. And yeah, I want to pay tribute to the man and uh, kind of give a little bit of a brief you know, overview of, of his career and, and what he meant to drivers. Because obviously, uh, probably no one other than their team managers and team personnel do the drivers kind of interact with as much as Char- they did with Charlie Whiting. So he was very much a, a driver's man, as Sebastian Vettel described him as. So yes, half the episode will be a 2019 season preview, and then the second part of the episode will be a tribute to Charlie Whiting. So sit back, relax, let's get ready for the 2019 season with my 2019 season preview, and then my tribute to Charlie Whiting. (laughs) So starting off with 20th, now someone unfortunately has to come last, don't they? I don't want to rank someone that you will be the worst out of 20 drivers across the season but I have to name a 20th place and I'm going to give it to Alexander Albon in the Toro Rosso. Now what's my reasoning behind this? Well my reasoning is that the competition around him is going to be really strong. I mean, you've got, in the midfield, you've got the likes of his teammate Danny Kiviat, you've got the two McLarens, the two Alfa Romeos, and whilst I know the Williams isn't the best car by any stretch, the drivers, I think, are going to do a better job in a worse worse piece of kit, if you will, than Albon could potentially do in the Toro Rosso. Now, don't get me wrong, Albon, I think, he's fast. He came third in the Formula 2 Championship last year, and that's nothing to, you know, turn your nose up, at. But overall... I just feel with the competition around him at that end of the grid that he might fare worse off that's just a gut feeling and he is fast there's no doubt about it and he'll score decent results like you know knives and tents you know occasionally throughout the season and build a nice little tally of points but i think the competition around him is so strong and that's why unfortunately i'm picking alexander alban to come in 20th in the drivers championship for this season 19th and this slightly breaks my heart but I am picking Robert Kubica now Kubica is returning after 8 years he's been out of the cockpit for 8 years he last raced a Formula 1 Grand Prix at the end of 2010 that is an extremely long time for a driver not to compete Now, two reasons why I think Kubitz is going to struggle. One, is the car. That Williams does not look good. Williams are already on their back foot and have a mountain to climb. They missed two and a half days of winter testing. Now, at that point, two and a half days doesn't sound like a lot, when you only have eight days of running at your disposal. It's a disaster. It's an absolute disaster. And especially considering Williams are in basically they're trying to rebuild themselves. They're trying to come up from the back of the grid back to where they should be racing in the midfield and at the front, ideally. I mean, look at the decline that team have had in five years. They've gone from scoring pole positions and regular podium places in like 2014. Five years later, they're at the back. And there's question marks about that team's future. Now, signing Kubica is a risk. They know the risk. Because the second reason why I think Kubica is going to struggle is... Just time in the car and his actual physical ability to drive it for extended periods of time. Now, he can definitely drive a Formula One car, but a quote that worried me or something that he said during winter testing that worried me was the fact that he said, I feel like I'm 20% ready for this. And I think his longest stint in the car at one time over testing was like less than 40 laps. Now, to put that into perspective, the Australian Grand Prix is 53 laps. So, in terms of time in the car, Kubica's hardly had anywhere near enough for him to be ready. There's only so much experience you gained 10 years ago in a totally different set of cars, under a totally different set of regulations, and a totally different set of circumstances can work for you. And that's why I think Kubica might struggle. I think he'll score points. Don't go expecting it straight away. I think Australia, for example, is essentially a bit of a glorified test for Williams and for Kubica and for his teammate. I think, on the whole, just look at Australia and think, don't write it off. But just look, we need laps, 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 laps. Even if we finish four laps down, we need laps. Just get to the end. You're not racing anybody. Just finish the finish. We need to know more about this car. Even if it's a complete pig to drive, just finish. Get the laps. Get the knowledge, get the data, and then we can move forward. And then come middle of the season, maybe they'll have enough to take the fight to the Toro Rossos and to the McLarens. But as of now, Kubica has a huge obstacle in his way. And unfortunately, it's the car he drives. So Kubica, for me, will come 19th in the Drivers' Championship. 18th, I'm predicting his teammate and F1 rookie George Russell. Russell is a very good driver. Look at how he performed last year in the Formula 2 Championship. I mean, he won the championship, and he looked great doing it. Missed the saw some great results, scored a lot of wins. And I feel so bad for Russell. I really feel bad for him. That kid has a mountain to climb. And it's an unenviable situation for him. He could easily go the way of, like, a Sergei Shirokin, Right? and uh, have what, make his debut and get given a horrible car and he gets forgotten about because up comes this new, fast youngster from Formula 2 and they look like they deserve a seat. But who's been kind of mayor this year? Oh, it could be Russell. Booted, career almost done. Like straight away, like Sir Rodkin. That kid did not deserve to lose his seat considering the circumstances. But that's Formula 1 for you, it's cruel. And I worry Russell will go that same way. Um, it's a terrible way to start your Formula 1 career, but hopefully Russell can drag that Williams to results, which it shouldn't be getting. I think he's more likely to do that in immediately more compared to Gubitza, mostly because Russell's been driving single-seater cars pretty much every weekend for the last few years and obviously raced in Formula 2 last year. So he's got the recent mileage under his belt at least Kubica hasn't raced a formula one car or a single seater car of this kind since 2010 russell has recent experience and that i think will give him an edge in the early stages of the season whilst Kubica finds his feet and gets more miles and gets more physically used to driving these cars russell i think will have the advantage and may maintain that across the season but I still don't think he's going to come higher than 18th in the standings and that makes me sad at least he isn't the worst of the rookies that's just saying something but yeah 18th George Russell for me 17th Antonio Giovinazzi in the alpha now Giovinazzi obviously has competed before I mean he famously had a horrible weekend in China in 2017 I count him as a rookie this is a rookie season Let's just be honest. And... Giovinazzi... Has... In itself... Much like his... Drivers around him... Has a hurdle to climb... Um, you know... Has a mountain to climb. Big hurdle in front of him. And that's his teammate. The 39 year old... Near 300 race starting... Kimi Raikkonen. And... Giovinazzi... Reminds me... In a way of like... Felipe Massa... Akin to like... 2002 Felipe Massa... Debuted... Was fast... Showed potential but crashed a lot and spun a lot, made silly mistakes. I can see that being Giovinazzi, especially in the first half of the year. Hopefully he'll iron out those mistakes as the season progresses. But for me, Giovinazzi has a lot to learn. He has a great teacher in Raikkonen. Whether Raikkonen's bothered enough to pass that knowledge down to his young teammate, who, you know, Raikkonen's smart. He knows that this young kid could be a threat. I mean, you know, Kimi was once a young kid stepping in. And, you know, drivers around him knew that he was a threat so hopefully givenazzi takes the advice and the knowledge and learns from raikkonen if Kimi is letting him be a sponge to his knowledge if you will i still don't think he'll come more than 17th in the drivers championship i think that would be perfect for him in terms of finishing he isn't the worst but he's certainly got room to grow and that's what you want room to grow going forward and with the competition around him it's just i think I can't see him finishing higher than 17th so I'm pretty happy to place him 17th in my predictions of the top 20 and coming in 16th it's going to be Lando Norris in the McLaren now I'm excited about Lando Norris he's fast he's a gutsy racer I mean you've got to look at moves like an overtake he did at Silverstone um, he overtook two cars around like in the Bay and the club section at Silverstone and that's sort of like my main memory of his formula two season won a handful of races and he looks like he's settled into the McLaren team quite well uh McLaren is very much a team on you know trying to rebuild themselves um and Lando Norris looks like it could be a, the youngster to take that step for the team he hasn't quite got the hurdle of teammate that Uh, Van Dorn had in Alonso he has Carlos Sainz it's not quite as steep mountain to climb for Norris but on the whole I think Norris will do the best of the rookies I predict he'll be my rookie of the year come the end of season awards for the the podcast Um, don't expect much in the first couple of races from Norris maybe he's going to tracks he's never raced before Um, like I'm pretty sure Norris has never driven in Australia before So he's going to have that hurdle to overcome, it's his first weekend, obviously it's a very nervy time for him, and I don't think he'll finish, I think he could well make a mistake in his debut race, I hope not, obviously, but I'm rooting for the guy, he's a West Country boy, and I think 16th in the standings, in my head seems like the right place to rank him, not quite up there with the more established talent, but certainly the best of the rookies, so... 16th in the Drivers' Championship, I'm going to rank as Lando Norris. Coming in 15th, I'm going to pick Daniel Kiviat. Now, Kiviat is making his return to F1 after basically being given the boot in uh, the midst of the 2017 season, and he spent a year on the sidelines with Ferrari as their their reserve driver, did some simulator work, and I hope Kiviat has. Ironed out the mistakes and the uh, kind of like a diamond in the rough, if you will. He could be really fast, which is what makes me think that's the reason why Toro Rosso have said, "Yep, we'll give you another chance." You know, they promoted him to Red Bull in 2015. They demoted him in 2016, and despite making silly mistake after silly mistake and crashing and he got the nickname the torpedo and it's not an endearing nickname Toro Rosso really have faith in the kid and have put him back in one of their cars and the thing for Kvyat now is that he has to step up he has a youngster in the team as his teammate making his debut and Kvyat needs to be that more experienced driver to lead the team in the battle against the likes of Racing Point, McLaren and Williams whilst Alban is kind of just learning on the job Kvyat needs to be that guiding light if you will, that experienced pair of hands that can lead the team forward as the season progresses I predict one thing for Kvyat this year I think he'll score a top 5 finish at some point, I think He'll have a coming-of-age performance and he'll drive immaculately and strategically. it will be fantastic. He'll make some great overtakes and maybe start to erase that reputation of being a reckless torpedo, which is what he's been known as. I hope so, because I actually think Kibbeak got kind of really bad, badly treated by Red Bull and by Toro Rosso uh, come the end of that first tenure with, this, with the whole Red Bull program. So... I'm going to go 15th in the standings for Kivy out with an outstanding performance at least once in the championship consistently scoring points and helping Albon to develop and get better and then the two can go forward into 2020 and yeah hopefully be more of a formidable force. Moving on to 14th in the standings I'm predicting Lance Stroll to come 14th in the racing point. Now we all know the story of Force India and which is now Racing Point, and I'm going to call the Team Force India pretty much non-stop, I think, just out of habit. I'm going to try my best to name it Racing Point. Lawrence Stroll has basically been gifted this seat by his dad. His dad, Lawrence Stroll, owns the team. If you've seen the Netflix documentary, you know that Lawrence Stroll can be a bit of a taskmaster. There's a moment where he, you know, basically gave Claire Williams, the head of the Williams team, a bollocking over certain things and you, you know that oh this guy's got power and money and influence and he's taken that influence and that power and that money to what was force india now racing point and he's put his boy in one of the seats does he deserve that seat more than ocon no but this is the reality of the situation stroll has the seat Ocon doesn't, we have to live with it and I think Stroll will struggle initially to get to grips with the car and his teammate Perez will get the better of him across 21 races but Stroll I think gets a hard time. He has shown glimpses of potential and he came third in the Azerbaijan Grand Prix in his rookie year and he scored a front row start in a soaking wet quali session uh, at Monza in his debut year in 2017. So he has shown moments of, actually, this kid could be something. Unfortunately, he will always have the asterisks of pay driver. Daddy bought him a seat, sort of, against him. And I think his teammate will beat him across the season, which I don't know how well that will go down with his dad. But I still think 14th wouldn't be a terrible result for this team that are still very much kind of building going forward. And Perez is a dependable set of hands. He's been racing since 2011, so this is entering his ninth season. And Stroll is still learning. He's only had one proper season. I don't really count 2018. That was just a dire situation for him. His first real chance since his debut year to show what he can do. And some good points will come his way, I think. And um, hopefully, Maybe another outstanding performance. So, 14th, Lance Stroll. 13th, I'm going to give his teammate, Sergio Perez, to come 13th. Now, I basically think, all in all, Perez will have Stroll at arm's length for the whole season overall. Perez, like I said, is a dependable driver. He's consistent. He's fast. He, you know, has that team, that in India Racing Point, um team team's best interest at heart I mean he was partial to why the team went into administration anyway which have led them to this point because about him doing that maybe the team that he works for wouldn't exist anymore so Perez has a good heart he's there for the right reasons he's clearly dedicated to that team and to that set of people and I think he will beat his teammate over the course of the season. And will kind of be comfortably faster than him at points. Just about holding uh, Stroll off from, you know, making him look silly. Stroll's quick. I think Perez is faster. And that's solely why I'm ranking him ahead of his teammates. And Racing Point, are going to go through that developmental period, for one. I mean, nothing to do with performance with the car. It's horrendous. That livery is disgusting. But Perez, for me, he's a good driver. Deserves another crack at the front. And this is kind of like a building block for him, taking this team that are still very much kind of rebuilding itself from falling into administration last year, having a lot less money than the front runners, and making it a dependable midfield team. 13th, Sergio Perez. 12th, I'm going with Carlos Sainz in the McLaren. Now, Sainz for me is someone who has a lot to show. And he has been kind of screwed out of a Red Bull seat. But he kind of screwed himself. Because he left that Red Bull system midway through 2017. He left Toro Rosso, went to Renault. And by doing that, essentially exiled himself from ever really getting the top seat of Red Bull. Which was what his goal was. So when Renault announced that Daniel Ricciardo was going to Renault and Red Bull... Knee-jerk reacted and signed Pierre Gasly, Carlos Sainz was like well where do I go Alonso announced he was off and then he stepped in he filled that seat he becomes the new Alonso in the McLaren camp and while Sainz most certainly doesn't have anywhere near the influence that Fernando Alonso did for example he has to be the one that helps drive that team forward and Norris is learning on the job much like a lot of these guys are Science has been around. This is his fifth season, and he has to be that one, that like the level-headed, smart, experienced guy to bring McLaren up. And one thing I did think this is—it's funny. This is the first time since 2007 where McLaren have signed a Spanish driver to be in their team and a rookie Brit to be in their team since they signed Alonso and Hamilton back in 2007. Just a small fact. Think about it. Alonso was Spanish. Been around for a while. They signed him. Hamilton was making his debut. And the Brit. Yeah. Lit up the world, if you will. Not necessarily saying, I think Norris is going to do the same. Totally different circumstances. Totally different car regulations. But it's just interesting. Small fact. We might not have thought of it. But yeah, I think signs... Could score some really good results. I've actually got it predicted that at some point across the season, he will come fourth in a race. One of those sort of balmy races where anything can happen and he'll come fourth, I think. That will be his best result across the season. That might be really, really nice for him to get that le- sort of high of a result. And as McLaren continue to build and kind of get back towards the front end of the field and you know take it to the higher midfield teams such as Renault and Haas, and maybe even Alfa Romeo, if they take that step, it's a big season for Signs. I'm going to go with twelfth for Carlos Signs. Eleventh, Roman Grosjean in the Haas. He doesn't make the top ten for me. I think <laughs> oh, I don't know what to think about Grosjean. I feel the guy gets trolled so much to the point where it's almost not fair. And I feel bad for him. but I'm worried about Grosjean. I don't think he's going to crash as much, but I think Magnussen is far more dependable. Though that lineup is pretty good Grosjean and Magnussen. That's a good lineup there. But I am worried for Grosjean. Magnussen is far more aggressive, but he seems to get the job done. And he is, you know, just a few temps, a temp or two faster than his teammate at pretty much any given point. And if Grosjean is ever faster than him, then Magnussen is normally really close behind. So, I think in that battle between the Hasses, then I'm going to go with Grosjean to finish behind Magnussen. In fact, Grosjean is involved with one of my predictions later on in the episode, so hang around for that. But I will say, Roman Grosjean to come a length in the driver standings for Haas. Now we've hit the top 10. Who do I think will finish in the top 10 and where do I think they will finish? Gonna start obviously with 10th. I'm predicting Kimi Raikkonen to come 10th in the Alfa Romeo. Now, the reason I say this, Kimi is going to a team which he feels very comfortable in. He is most certainly the number one in the team. For the first time since 2012, I'd argue, he is the number one in the team. So that's got to feel good. Secondly, I think that car, the Alfa Romeo, actually looks quite, quite good. It looks like it's a car that's been developed with him in mind. It's got like a pointy front end with a little bit of oversteer, but I think Kimi is quite good at countering that. But for me, Kimi's experience is most invaluable to a team like Alfa Romeo, and I actually predict one of my predictions that Kimi will finish on the podium once this season but not necessarily like he's gonna overtake the Red Bulls and, 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 and one, some of the Ferrari and a Mercedes and all the rest of it to get there but one of those races like Azerbaijan last year which saw like Sergio Perez score a podium a race of that nature where things just happened cars are crashing out retiring punctures all all, all of that stuff and it's going to lead to Kimi Räikkönen taking a popular podium for Alfa Romeo. And Kimi will score good points consistently throughout the season. Helping to develop that car. Like I said, very much becoming the leader of that team. Hopefully to then maybe step away in twenty at the end of 2020. When he's inevitably going to retire at 41. And yeah, walk away. And leave the team to Gibranassi but in a good state. I'm excited for Raikkonen, he just did an interview for Beyond the Grid and he sounds genuinely really excited about staying in F1 and being involved in the front, you know, front level of the sport as he is. So I'm going to predict Kimi Raikkonen to come 10th in the Drivers' Championship. Ninth is the second Haas of Kevin Magnussen. Now Magnussen to me, he's a really hard driver to like. Because I think he is so aggressive, so aggressive, like unnecessarily aggressive. So it makes it hard sometimes to think, oh, come on, dude. But Magnussen, for me, is really talented. He's underrated. He got one shot at the big time when he was at McLaren in 2014. Scored second place in his debut, third on the road, got promoted to second. And ever since then, his career has been trying to build from there. He, for me, out of the two, you asked me to sign one of him and Grosjean, I go with Magnussen every day. I probably rate Magnussen more than a lot of people do. I think he's really talented. And there'll be times this year where I think he's going to make Grosjean look silly. And this is just something that came off the top of my head. But Vettel's contract at Ferrari is up end of 2020. Now, what I don't think Ferrari will sign him, I can see... Rumours starting, oh Magnus having, Magnus having a good year, maybe because Haas get their engines from Ferrari, maybe that's who Ferrari are going to go next. They're going to have the and Magnussen in the Ferrari. Don't necessarily think that's what they'll do. I can see Magnussen being drawn into those discussions of who will be better or successor. So for me, Magnussen, ninth in the Drivers' Championship, will beat his teammate and he'll crack that top 10. Coming 8th, I'm predicting Nico Hülkenberg in the Renault. Now, the big question for Hülkenberg, and it kind of goes above everything else, will he get his first podium this season? I'm going to say yes, he will. He'll score one podium. And whilst I think he will get outperformed by his teammate across the season, he is going to give Ricciardo headaches. That is a great lineup. You know, Hülkenberg and Ricardo. Hülkenberg, I think, is underrated. That guy deserves the opportunity to maybe take that next step. Maybe he gets involved in that Ferrari discussion for 2021 going forward. Maybe. Who knows? But Hulkenberg needs a good season. I predict the podium comes this year. I hope the podium comes this year. Because he is getting dangerously close to getting that record. He might even have it already. I'm not sure. But he's getting. if he's not, he's getting close to that record of most race starts without a podium. And Hulkenberg should have at least one podium under his belt by now. I think this year, at some point, he might score it. That's my only sort of solid prediction for Hulkenberg, other than the fact I think he'll come 8th in the standings, but this year he'll get his first podium. So 8th in the standings, Nico Hulkenberg. 7th, this one might raise some eyebrows. I'm going to go with Pierre Gasly in the Red Bull. Now this kid... I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say it how it is. I think Pierre Gasly has been promoted too soon. Sadly, I think he has. It wasn't in Red Bull's interest to um, promote him so quickly. Uh, I think that became... Is that like public knowledge that Red Bull basically said... "No, yeah, we didn't want to sign him yet. But basically, their the hands were tied and they had to. They didn't want to sign signs. Uh, they wanted to keep it in the house. And they signed... Pierre Gasly, now Gasly's shown potential, I mean he came 4th or 5th in the Bahrain Grand Prix last year and that was really, really impressive, and he showed that he was better than Hartley, hence why he got the promotion but he's Max Verstappen's teammate, now if Netflix has shown us in the last week or so we have the Drive to Survive documentary, Red Bull love Max Verstappen I worry that Pierre Gasly will very much slot into a number two role if Verstappen gets a chance at the title. Like, Or whether Pierre Gasly is just happy to accept, hey, this year's a write-off, I'm just going to learn and, and build and go from there, really. But Verstappen is definitely the driver they'll rebel want to be the title contender. It must be a little odd for Gasly, because he must surely know that he is kind of the... The ugly duckling, if you will, in this team. But, I hope he does well. He's got a hell of a task ahead of him. I don't think he's going to win any races. And I don't think he's going to score any podiums. Well, at least for the first half. Maybe a podium or two in the second half. But, I wish him all the best. Because I think Gasly's pretty good. I think he'll come seventh in the driver's standings. And sixth is the driver who he is replacing. I'm predicting Daniel Ricciardo to come sixth in the standings for Renault. He will be that driver that kind of breaks that top six of Ferrari, Mercedes and Red Bull. He'll be the one. Ricciardo, no matter what position he's in and where he is, in terms of which team, he is going to drive the balls off that car. He's going to make overtaking opportunities that just shouldn't work, work. This is the year where Renault needs someone like him to just take that next step. They've had dependable drivers in the past, but ones that are maybe slightly afraid to take that just that extra level of extra risk. But Ricardo is not that driver. Ricardo's been around for a while. He is the master of the late lunge, late braking from way back. He makes them work just about He's almost become formidable for it. He is relentless. He is hugely fast. He is... I think Ricardo will regret not going to Ferrari or staying at Red Bull or getting a Mercedes opportunity in the future. He's gone to Renault though. And maybe it will work for him because Renault are on the rise and they are... He he's kind of like a big fish in a small pond. He's almost in it's almost like Alonso when he was at McLaren. Alonso was very much sort of in a way bigger than the team he drove for and therefore had a lot more influence on how things would, you know, progress and how the car would develop going forward. Maybe Ricardo is that person. I don't see him being a political person. I don't think he's gonna to want to try and Publicly or even privately, maybe. bury Holkenberg, he's so chilled out. So is Holkenberg, to be fair. That's a, it's a great lineup actually. Holkenberg and, and Ricardo, and like I said, I think Holkenberg will give him some headaches. I think Ricardo will score at least three podiums, and yeah, be hopefully that dependable, uh, you know, reliable entity that they need to take that next step forward. So, don't go expecting race wins. I would be hugely surprised if he won a race. I'm not predicting him to either, but I reckon at least three podiums across the season and that Daniel Ricciardo will come sixth in the Drivers' Championship. (laughs) Moving on now to the top five. This is where it starts to get real interesting. Now, Everyone from here on, I think, will win races. So these five drivers, I think, will win all of the 21 races across the length of the championship. But who do I think is coming fifth? I I'm denied about this, but I'm going to pick Valtteri Bottas in the Mercedes to come fifth. Now, Bottas is in a really bad spot right now. And I'll say two words, and this is why. Two words. Esteban Ocon. Ocon is... I think it's probably the worst kept secret in the sport that Ocon is going to be in that Mercedes for 2020. And that Bottas needs to basically win the championship to have any chance of, well, you know, keeping that seat. I feel bad for him. I feel like he's doomed already. And there was a lot of articles even before the season started. Is Bottas doomed already? Have Mercedes already made that call to say, this is it. It's the end of your time here. Obviously haven't told him, otherwise he probably just wouldn't turn up. But Bottas needs the season of his life. I don't think he's going to have it either. I think he'll win one race and he'll drive better than last year. But much like last year, as it becomes apparent that his teammate is the championship contender and he's not he'll have to slot into a number two role and normally around the midway into the championship mercedes extend his contract for one more year one more year one more year i can't see them doing it this time this is one year too many and ricardo nope sorry bottas (laughs) will be gone i feel bad for him in fact i've basically just given away one of my predictions there i'll come to it later and i'll briefly touch it I think he's gone at the end of this year. So I think Bottas will come 5th with one race win this season. Now the reason I unbentard about who comes 5th is because my number 4 is going to maybe get me killed. I'm picking Charles Leclerc. Now, let me just establish something before you all turn up at my house with flaming torches. Like that scene out of The Simpsons movie. Ooh, there appears to be that anomus. What's that anomus glow in the distance? Carol, 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 Carol! I'm so excited about Leclerc being in the team. I'm a Ferrari fan. In case any of you didn't know, I have never hidden it. I will wear my heart on my sleeve. I am, I've been a Ferrari fan. I always have been. I've been a Ferrari fan for almost my whole life since I started watching F1 in '97. And Leclerc signing is one of the most exciting driver. You know, signings that I've seen Ferrari do in forever. Probably since since they signed Alonso. Maybe even since they signed Vettel. I can't wait to see what he does. I want him to do as well as everyone is saying. Because it would be amazing. And Ferrari have signed their youngest driver since the early 60s. But people, I'm just going to say how it is. You need to stop overhyping the guy. Because this guy has so much potential going forward. So much potential. That if you hype him too much now. His debut season with Ferrari. this is only his 22nd race. He's going to be in his whole career. And he's taking the step of his life. To that seat. At Ferrari. And you think straight away he's going to be beating Hamilton. And he's going to be beating Sebastian Vettel. Listen. Ferrari fan. Want him to do it. I think you're mad if you genuinely think he's going to do it straight away and consistently. He is not going to be a championship contender in his first year. He's not going to be it. I am pretty adamant about this and if I'm wrong I'll celebrate it because my god Ferrari have a new star. But I have been reading and listening to articles and videos across the length of the winter season. And people saying, this guy could be world champion this year. Or oh, Leclerc could be, take re, you make Vettel look silly? He's going to be like Ricardo in 2014. Maybe it will be. Well, you never know. But I genuinely, in my heart, in my gut, do not think Leclerc going to be that guy straight away. And I really think we need to calm down hyping this guy up. Because we know how Formula One fans are, right? We'll hype someone to death. And they can't deliver. They won't deliver. Just logically, it's just not going to happen. And then people start to say, Oh, well maybe that Charles Leclerc isn't as good as we thought he was. Oh, maybe he's a bit overrated. I don't really like Leclerc. Oh, maybe they start to to look at someone else. Oh, meh. We know how that's how it goes. You hype someone too much. And then when they can't deliver and they don't deliver, we put them down start slamming them we start from the safety of our smartphones and the safety of our um you know from the safety of our laptops tablets we start slamming them trolling them the client makes a mistake oh lol Oh, oh! How so? Oh, he's rubbish. Oh, he's shit. Oh, Leclerc. Oh no, oh, he's overhyped. Oh, he shouldn't be in the Ferrari. Oh, he's not. He's awful. He shouldn't. He shouldn't even be in Formula One. Fuck Leclerc. We know how that's how it goes. So we need to calm it down and just accept that 2019, he is not going to be world champion. He won't be a. Ch- he's not going to be a contender. This is all my opinion, but we need to just slightly start calming down on the hype the guy. I still think he's going to win two races and I think he'll score a podium this weekend and everyone's going to be like, oh my god and therefore the hype's going to go through the roof. But really, over 21 races, is he going to beat a fired up Sebastian Vettel? No. Is he going to beat a fired up Max Verstappen? No. Is he going to beat a fired up Lewis Hamilton? No. Fourth for Leclerc. Just watch this. And if I'm wrong, you have every right to tell me That I got it wrong. But I'm sure I'm one of the things I'm adamant about is I don't think Leclerc is going to win the World Championship. I'm saying it now. Like I said, if I'm wrong, I'll put my hands up. And I will party because Leclerc is awesome and it's a great time to be a Ferrari fan. But yeah, I am pretty certain I'm not wrong about this. Third in the standings. This is where it starts to get really interesting. I'm going to go with Max Verstappen in the Red Bull. Verstappen needs to make sure he is ironed out. The silly mistakes which basically cost him any shot at the championship last year in the first half of the year. Basically, from Australia to Monaco, he looked pretty ordinary. And we all know he is not ordinary. This kid is unbelievably talented. He is the future of the sport. But he needs to be that driver that Red Bull really need now. They've signed Gasly. And Gasly is going to have a hard time. Verstappen is very much Red Bull sort of golden boy. And he needs to make sure he delivers and performs like the golden boy that they want him to be. That they already consider him to be. So, I don't think this is a championship winning season for him yet. But we're going to see Verstappen with some overtaking moves and race performances As good as he's done, if not even better. I think he'll win three races and he'll score his first pole position this season. And he'll show that the new Red Bull Honda partnership was the right decision. But he isn't going to win the World Championship. I think he could very well be a contender. Kind of fizzle out just after two thirds into the season. And just leaves Hamilton and Vettel to fight it out. But be excited for Verstappen. This is his time to shine. And we know what he's like. We know he's incredibly fast. So he'll do so. And it's a stepping stone to where maybe 2020... That partnership of Red Bull and Honda has... You know, come together. You know, formed that partnership that they need to be strong consistent reliable and that can next year provide an overall package that gives Verstappen a true shot at the title third for Verstappen so next next prediction basically gives away who I think will win the world championship here we go second place in the 2019 formula one world championship I think will be Lewis Hamilton I'll get to Vettel in a second but I think Hamilton this year will be beaten not because he hasn't performed well or isn't going to perform well I think he will drive as good as he's ever driven and even at this point in his career he is still as fast as ever but this year I just feel that his main rival will have an ace in the hole and that will be hit the car he drives. It's going to be close and I think Hamilton will win seven races and I predict that he will score at least 10 pole positions which will bring him tantalisingly close to getting to 100 career pole positions. And I think he'll get there. Don't think he'll be 100 poles this year but I think... He'll get there by the end time he retires. But I don't think this is it. I don't think this is Hamilton's season. And I know he goes in as the favorite. You don't win uh, two straight championships in a row, beat your main rival two years in a row without going into this one as the favorite, but I just can't see it. I said it from the moment the checkered flag flew in Abu Dhabi. Hamilton had it this year. He truly deserved that world championship. He was my driver of the year by far last year. But I think his main rival must know that it's do or die. Hamilton second in the standings, per my opinion only. I think Sebastian Vettel will win the 2019 season. Now I can hear you, oh Ferrari fan, thinks Ferrari driver is going to win the world championship. Rah, rah, rah. I've basically been saying it all winter. Hans in the car, did nothing about their performance. I think Vettel knows in his heart that he has to pull this off. And this car, the SF90, looks like a world beater. Just from what we've seen. I don't think we've seen the full potential of the Mercedes. And I don't think we've seen the full potential of the Ferrari. That Ferrari looks effortless to drive. Providing that car works for him. I think Vettel has his best Chance since leaving Red Bull of winning a world title. I'm excited, genuinely excited. I think he'll win eight races. I think he would have learned the lessons from last year of putting himself in situations which, you know, all really kind of cost him the championship, making silly mistakes. Bonotto, I think, is going to be a fantastic team boss at Ferrari. You know, he'll make smart calls that are going to help his team get to the top. He has a huge task ahead of him. And I think Vettel will deliver. I had the gut feeling the second the season ended last year, Vettel will be so fired up. He knows this is his championship, that he has to win. I fear that if he doesn't, his reputation is going to be in tatters permanently. A Ferrari looks like it's the best car on the grid. We'll find out this weekend. In just a matter of hours, the cars will be on track for the first time and we'll see just what's what over the weekend. And it's so exciting. I cannot wait, guys. I'm so excited. I hope you're excited too. But eight race wins, more than anyone, and he'll win the 2019 championship let's run through the top 20 from last to first. 20th, Alexander Albon. 19th, Robert Kubica. 18th, George Russell. 17th, Antonio Giovinazzi. 16th, Lando Norris. 15th, Daniel kibiat 14th, Lance Stroll. 13th, Sergio Perez. 12th, Carlos Sainz. 11th, Roman Grosjean. 10th, Kimi Räikkönen. 9th, Kevin Magnussen. 8th, Nico Hülkenberg, 7th, Pierre Gasly, 6th, Daniel Ricciardo, 5th, Valtteri Bottas, 4th, Charles Leclerc, 3rd, Max Verstappen, 2nd, Lewis Hamilton, and 1st, Sebastian Vettel. Those are my predictions of the 2019 Drivers' Championship from 20th to 1st. Before we move on to the second part of the episode, I wanted to give my five predictions. My five solid predictions. Now, I may have touched on some of these whilst ranking my 20th to 1st in the driver's standings, but I'm going to list them anyway. Kind of give a little bit of info about each of them, but here goes. My first prediction is that Roman Grosjean will be dropped by Haas. During the 2019 season, he'll see out the season, but then Haas will sign the Formula 2 champion for 2019. And I'm predicting that's going to be Mick Schumacher. So Magnussen and Schumacher in the Haas for 2020. I think Grosjean's time will be over and he'll be gone. There'll be nowhere else for him to go. I think Grosjean's lucky to have his seat now and Magnussen will beat him, Grosjean will frustrate Steiner enough to say I'm done boots him signs in Mick Schumacher who sets the world on fire in Formula 2 and yeah, Grosjean's off to IndyCar maybe Formula E most likely that's my first prediction prediction number 2 relates to Charles Leclerc now you may feel like I slammed him or buried him whilst ranking my uh, 20th to 1st putting him in 4th and basically saying calm down he isn't gonna win the world championship at least in my opinion anyway but I am gonna make a prediction I've already said that he's gonna get his first podium this weekend in my opinion but where will he score his first win I think he's gonna win his debut race at Monaco where he'll score his first pole position as well and he'll have that Cinderella weekend Cinderella story of just coming home and winning his first race, basically around the corner from his house. Wouldn't that be amazing? What a celebration that would be! How popular a first win would that be to win your first race at Monaco? And it tends to happen. I mean, just thinking back in my head, like Olivier Panis won his one and only race there. Yano Trulli won his only one and only race there. It's not impossible for drivers to win their first race at Monaco. Why can't Charles Leclerc do it? That's my second prediction. That Leclerc will win the Monaco Grand Prix. And that'll be his first win. My third prediction isn't as positive. It's about Williams. I don't necessarily think Williams will be bought out. But I think Claire Williams, who is at the head of the team now, will resign. From Williams as Deputy Team Principal. By the end of the year. Williams will be struggling. And people will want answers. And Claire Williams just says. I've got to I've got to be the one that goes. Leaving the door open to someone else. Maybe like Paddy Lowe or something like that. I don't know. But I predict uh, Claire Williams will. Leave the Williams team. By the end of the season. And it'll be sad. And that kind of will feel like the beginning of the end for the Williams brand. I hope I'm wrong. I like Claire. I think she's actually really smart and likeable and does a good job. She's just got dealt a shit pair of hands. Uh, hand of cards here, you know, dealt a shit hand. I'll get there in the end with the expression. But Claire Williams, I think, will resign from Williams this year. My fourth prediction, again, isn't overly positive and I kind of gave it away. I think Bottas will be gone from Mercedes this year. Don't know where he'll go. And Ocon will be in his seat for 2020. There's not much more I need to say. I almost feel like that's the arrangement already. Ocon is going to be over his shoulder all year. And I feel bad for him. I feel bad for Bottas. I really do. But I think Bottas will be gone. And finally, whilst I've touched on it. But I think Vettel will win the world championship. I think this is Vettel's year. I think he'll win it with a race in hand. I think he'll win it in Brazil. So they go to Abu Dhabi. There'll be no showdown. Ferrari will win the constructors' championship in Abu Dhabi, but Vettel will get it done. A race in hand, and be able to go to that rate that season finale, all relaxed. That's my five. Recapping them: has to drop Grosjean from Mick Schumacher, who wins the Formula Two championship. Charles Leclerc to win his debut race at Monaco, as well as take his first pole there. Claire Williams to resign from Williams as deputy team principal. Bottas to get dropped by Mercedes for Ocon for 2020 and Vettel to win the World Championship in Brazil with a race in hand. And Ferrari will be Drivers' Champions and Constructors' Champions. So those are my five predictions. And now we move on to the, well, sad part of this F1 Everything Else for you this time. We're going to talk about Charlie Whiting. Now, I'm sure you know about the news about Charlie Whiting, but I'll just kind of recap it. Thursday, 14th March 2019, Formula One lost Charlie Whiting. Suddenly and tragically, he passed away due to a blood clot in his lung called a pulmonary embolism. I think I pronounced that right. Tell me if I'm wrong. There was a blood clot in his lung. He was found dead in his hotel room in the morning and the news spread and the whole of Formula 1 all day has been in a state of shock and I think that will, that shock will continue throughout the weekend and maybe for a good portion of the season. Because Charlie Whiting is one of the most important um, people in Formula 1. He was the such you know a giant of the sport one of the most beloved recognizable figures in the paddock because that man had his hands in so many pots and he leaves behind almost an impossible you know hole to film That hole he's left behind is so big. It might be impossible to fill. It really might. He essentially was doing the job of about four people. Which is crazy. So, Charlie started his debut. uh, He debuted in F1. Working as a mechanic for Hesketh In 1977. Before he moved to Bernie Ecclestone's Bravham. And he would rise up the ranks at the team. Uh, he was involved in Nelson-PK's championship winning seasons in 1981 and in 1983. And that's kind of how it went. He he became chief mechanic and, and all the rest of it. And then he left working for teams in 1988. He started working for the FIA as a technical delegate. And that is kind of what he was up until 1997. He got a lot of respect within the FIA. And in 1997, he was directed... Uh, appointed as race director and basically for that whole time he ran the whole weekend uh, of Formula One racing. He oversaw pretty much everything from the race start. He was the one in the box above the start line with the lights and he was the one that the teams and the drivers would radio into if they felt that someone else had done something wrong on track. He was the one that upheld the rules and in a way he was a policeman and a teacher all at the same time to the drivers. But the drivers loved him. Because that role of being the rule enforcer could be something that could really rub people the wrong way. But Charlie Whiting from all accounts was a lovely, lovely guy, and his infectious personality and softness made a position which people might think was cold and steely actually quite an accessible one to come and speak. You know, he was very accessible to people, his door was always open. You know, you look at someone of authority in that regard whose decisions and you know, policing of the rules could be interpreted as you know, he was the enemy, if you will, for the drivers and the teams. Never the case of Charlie Whiting. I have never in my whole life watching the sport twenty two years this year have heard a bad word against him. Well, apart from when Battle told him to fuck off in Mexico, but <laughs> forget that. I still can't believe he's gone it's just come so out of nowhere like Vettel was walking the track with him yesterday he said walked a couple of corners and yeah the next day he's, he's gone he isn't here anymore and Formula One will feel this for some time Charlie was also as well as being an integral part of the race weekend and how things operated Holding the rules and race starts, and basically being the the man, the man. He was the man. He was also hugely important in increasing safety in Formula One and motorsport in general. Now I know it's a controversial topic and around this time last year I had done an episode about the halo and discussed my reservations about it but on the whole we we all know the halo has been a success. is isn't the nicest thing to look at in the world but quite frankly it all but saved Charles de Clair's life at Belgium last year when Fernando Alonso went over the top of his Sauber and the tyre, like one of Alonso's front tyres, hit the halo. Now without that, that would have been Charles de Clair's head we don't need any more evidence as to whether the halo works there it is and charlie whiting was a huge part in that introduction of the halo he strived to improve um, safety in the sport and make it better for the drivers my um i remember In the build-up to races like the Korean Grand Prix debuted in 2010 Charlie Whiting was going out to Korea and make you know busting their balls to make sure that track was safe the facilities for you know the cars on track you know was was good runoff areas barriers tire walls he was always involved in that. He would go to all the new venues. And current venues. To make sure they were all up to scratch. And he was hugely important in that. Making sure that tracks. Were as safe as possible for the drivers. And. I think the drivers owe him. A de- huge debt of gratitude. To Charlie for that. Because Formula 1 tracks. Were. <laughs> safety in. In. Racing is wasn't always taken as seriously as it is now, and without Charlie Whiting, I think we could, you know, we in the future going forward, we may have seen a lot, you know, in the past. See, we have seen or may see a lot worse than what we have in terms of accidents and injuries. So Charlie, for me, in that regard, is as integral to the sport as someone like a Professor Sid Watkins. Sid Watkins was a huge influence in increasing safety and facilities for drivers including um making sure all tracks had um um the right facilities to treat drivers if they had huge accidents he was obviously heavily involved in you know with like Ayrton Senna for example when he had his crash he was one of the first people on the scene he he was the one who treated him so for me those two people might well be the two most important off track individuals in the history of the sport Charlie Whiting and Professor Sid Watkins that's just my opinion those two for their undying strives to improve safety those two Sit above everybody else, and Formula One will miss Charlie Whiting enormously. Fans will miss him. I mean, the foot there was footage from a few, a couple, like a year a bit ago, where um, they showed what it's like inside, like a driver's meeting with Charlie, and Charlie would sit at the front, almost like a teacher in a classroom, and all the drivers. I mean, it's always been that way. All the drivers would line up sat in rows of seats and they would ask questions and they would raise concerns it was almost like a a tutor teaching his students answering the questions like a university professor speaking to the students under his wing and i loved it like drivers would come up to him after the meeting everyone's gone they've gone off and they come to him and they'd speak to him privately and that relationship looks so strong between the drivers and him because Charlie looked so genuine he looked like he cared he looked like he cared for the drivers that yes whilst he is there to uphold the rules that he is always one to try and help the drivers and that presence I think will be missed in the paddock for the drivers especially I think aside from the obvious family and friends and and colleagues I think the the drivers will miss him the most in a way, obviously aside from his family and friends and that, because Charlie was so integral to their racing that, yeah, without him, it just won't be the same. And I feel so bad for whoever has to step up and take that role. I think they're probably going to have to delegate the role and the responsibility out. But for now, Formula One will do as it always does and it will carry on. And this opening weekend in Australia has no doubt, you know, lost a lot of his excitement because everyone is heartbroken that Charlie Whiting has died suddenly in Australia just before the first race of the season. I hope they treat the weekend as a tribute to him and then kind of build from there. They'll they'll get through Australia. There'll be no champagne on the podium, I would imagine, But Charlie Whiting has pretty much impossible shoes to fill. And it's just crazy that he's not here anymore. I mean, I say the drivers um, will miss him the most. I mean, I've got some quotes here from uh, a few of the drivers from a press conference earlier. And uh, this is what they... This is how they sum up their, their feelings about Charlie and their, they pay tribute to him. So I'm going to read a, a quote from Sebastian Vettel, Lewis Hamilton, Robert Kubitzer and Max Verstappen. So I'll start with Sebastian. This was his quote. I was as shocked as we all are still now when I heard the news this morning, especially because I spoke to him yesterday and walked the track for the first couple of corners together with him. It's difficult to grasp when somebody's just not there anymore. I've known him for a long time and he was a sort of our man, our driver's man. Obviously there's regulations and all that and then there's us and he was the middleman. He was someone you could ask anything at any time. He was open to everyone. Anytime his door was always open. He was a racer, he was just a very nice guy. The whole paddock, the whole circus, the whole family of Formula One. All our thoughts are with him and especially his family in these difficult circumstances. Lewis Hamilton said, I've I've known Charlie since I started in 2007. Obviously, incredibly shocked this morning to hear the sad news. My thoughts and prayers are with his family. What he did for the sport, his commitment. He really was a pillar. Such an iconic figure within the sporting world and he contributed so much to us. May he rest in peace. Robert Kubica said, it's a hard moment. I saw Sebastian walking with Charlie yesterday and I thought I would not interrupt them because I was going to see him on Friday in the driver's briefing. Unfortunately, that will not be the case. It's very sad. He was a kind of icon of Formula One, but not only Formula One, he was a racer always keeping up everything in the regulations. He was really the kind of person you could always trust and commit. So it's a very sad moment. My thoughts are with his family. The last quote I have is from Max Verstappen. He said, of course, it was a big shock, especially because I spent the day with him in Geneva a few weeks ago and we had a good chat just about a lot of things. When I left, I said, see you in Australia for another season of racing. And of course, when you hear this news, it's unbelievable. I think those four gentlemen sum it up completely. And I don't think there's anything more I need to say. So, thank you, Charlie Whiting, for everything you've done for Formula One and for motorsport. Your time, dedication, efforts, passion, well, But it's certainly much appreciated by us all fans, personnel, drivers alike, just random Joe like me behind a microphone and a laptop recording a podcast, we appreciate what you've done for this sport over your 40 plus year career, your passing has struck a chord with us all. I mean I personally cannot believe it and I'm deeply saddened and my thoughts are with his family and friends and and with the drivers they got to go out and drive this weekend but they got to do so knowing that that one person they could always turn to if they ever needed advice or had any questions is not here anymore so I feel for them and for the paddock this weekend. Charlie Whiting may you rest in peace. That's going to do it for this episode of F1 Everything Else. I've given my predictions uh, for the 2019 season, ranking all the drivers 20th to 1st, and as you've just heard, paid me tribute to Charlie Whiting. As I said, you will be missed, Charlie. You really will be missed. Thank you for listening. Uh, Enjoy the new season, folks. F1 is back. Cannot wait for this new season. So many unanswered questions that hopefully will be answered in the coming days and just enjoy it most of all be nice to each other online i did a whole episode about social media last year and how we're all dicks to each other that's kind of not be that that it's uh i'm wasting my breath aren't i be sure to follow the podcast on itunes or apple podcast that is now known spotify soundcloud all your good podcast apps make sure you leave a rating and a review share the podcast with your friends and be sure to follow the show on facebook twitter and instagram I also host a second Formula One podcast called the Michael Schumacher Podcast. New content is coming out soon uh, based on Michael's 1992 Belgium Grand Prix debut win. So be sure to follow the show again, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. uh, Leave a rating and a review. Follow the show on social media, again, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And just like I said, enjoy the season. I will. For us here in the UK, enjoy the 5am wake up. Ooh, that's going to be tough. I'm Rob Manafield and I'll see you around the next corner.